Good day, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Eating for Energy and Weight Loss, the podcast that's all about getting healthy and healing from a cellular level from the inside out so that you can shed any excess weight, heal your body, and remain free from sickness and disease without medications, without crash dieting, without overexercise, in a natural, beautiful, divinely created way that your body knows how. I'm your host, Rita Haddad, and I thank you for joining me again on another beautiful Thursday morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you're listening. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. So my last episode was all about sugar and how not all of it is bad. If you haven't given it a listen, check it out. And if you have listened, thank you for your support and for your listening. I got a lot of wonderful feedback from so many listeners from all over about that episode wanting to know more about sugar. So in that episode, I went through some of the secret names for sugar that are hidden in everyday products such as sliced bread and pasta so that when you look at the label, you can see where sugar might be hidden and you can really know what you're putting inside of your body. So if you haven't already listened to that, go ahead and give it a quick overview, quick listen, and let me know your um, thoughts and experiences with the information provided in there. But anyway, back to today's episode, I got so much wonderful feedback on that. And I got a lot of people saying they wanted to know more about sugar, because as we know, sugar is truly demonized in our society and our culture. And a lot of processed food makers are touting low sugar recipes. And a lot of folks, people like you and I who are interested in caring for our health, we really want to be sure to limit how much sugar we take in. But I think sugar is one of those confusing elements for a lot of people. People don't understand it. And they also hear things like diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And I think for the most part, a lot of people don't truly understand what's happening in the body to cause diabetes and how sugar's how sugar's role looks in that. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. It's a little bit more of an in-depth look inside of your body as it relates to sugar so that not only now are you armed with the information to know where to find sugar and what it is labeled as on the packages that you are purchasing or considering purchasing, but now you can get an idea of how sugar looks inside of your body, what happens, what are the processes and the mechanisms, and also how to know how much sugar is right for you. So I'm going to give you all that today. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to share with you and let's get started. So as I mentioned in the last episode, all about sugar, I mentioned that Your body does not decipher between added sugar and natural sugar. So if I have a candy bar and if I have an apple, my body will go through the same process to metabolize the sugar regardless of where it comes from. However, a candy bar may have more sugar. So in other words, larger amounts of sugar in a smaller quantity of candy bar than an apple might have. And you're also not getting the beneficial micronutrients and minerals that you're getting from an apple, for example, fiber, manganese, um, selenite, all of the things that are found naturally in fruits and vegetables that may convert to sugars in your body. 
but they're also giving you so much added benefit that you're not getting per se from a candy bar or a processed food. So your body doesn't care where the sugar comes from. It metabolizes the sugar in the exact same way. I want to start off with that so that as I go through all of this information, you can keep that in the back of your mind. Okay, so when you look at a package and it tells you all of the nutritional information, the label is going to say serving size. Let's say we're looking at a box of cookies, for example. A box of cookies, the nutritional label will say serving size, let's say two cookies. And then in tiny little font at the top, it will say number of servings. That means the number of servings per package, and it might say eight which means a serving size is two cookies, but if there's eight servings in a container, that means the container contains 16 cookies. So I want you to understand how to read the nutritional label so that we can grasp what's on it as it relates to sugar, which we're talking about today. I'll use another example. Let's say we're looking at a can of soup. A can of soup might say serving size one half cup, servings per container, two and a half, which means a half a cup, 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 which is two and a half cups. So the can will contain two and a half cups of soup, but the nutrition only relates to one half cup of soup. So if you're dumping a whole can of soup into your pot and you're heating it and you're warming it and you're about to eat it on a cold and rainy day, then you have to basically quadruple or quintuple all of the nutritional information. I will get more into that later in this podcast. But as it relates to what I want to say now, this can of soup per se, let's say it has four grams of added sugar. Okay, added sugar means sugar that's not naturally occurring in the food. For example, Pasta might have natural sugars because it's a carbohydrate that converts to a sugar in your body. Under where it says however many grams of sugar, usually that's bolded. In in regular font that's not bolded, it will say added sugar, so many grams. Okay, that means that sugar that was put into the product added from outside. And it could be any of the sugars or even more that I had listed on the last episode. So again, more incentive for you to go back and listen to that because it could be something like beet sugar, which might not do you much harm, or it could be something like bleached granulated sugar, which might cause problems inside of your body. Okay, so four grams of sugar is the equivalent of one cube of table sugar, which is the equivalent of one teaspoon of granulated sugar which is the equivalent of one packet of sugar substitute. For example, stevia, Splenda, or other artificial sweeteners. So four grams of sugar equals one cube, one teaspoon, or one packet. So I hope that gives you a little bit of perspective. Okay, so the American Heart Association recommends that women receive six teaspoons or 25 grams of added sugar per day maximum, and that men receive nine teaspoons or 37.5 grams of added sugar per day. Nine teaspoons of sugar and six teaspoons of sugar. 
Can you imagine putting six teaspoons of sugar straight into your mouth or into your morning water or into your coffee or into your breakfast cereal on top of what's already in it? That's what the American Heart Association is is capping the maximum at, right? So try to keep it under six teaspoons a day. And I want to show you today how when you eat a diet full of highly processed foods, that is an impossible standard. For reference, one tablespoon is three teaspoons of sugar. So one tablespoon is the equivalent of 12 grams of sugar. So keep that in mind. Um, and the American Heart Association is recommending six teaspoons and nine teaspoons, which is the equivalent of two tablespoons and three tablespoons per day. So again, try to imagine sprinkling two to three tablespoons of sugar on your morning cereal, in your coffee, dumping it in your morning water. That's what you're putting in your body every day. So food manufacturers have gone to remove the fat because like sugar, fat has been demonized, but not all fat is bad. I will save that for another episode. Uh, and um, add sugar in order to increase the satiation value and in order to put back some of the flavor that's removed by taking out the fat. So what does that mean? If I have like a light food, like something that says light mayo or low-fat yogurt, what that really means is, okay, the fat has been removed, but now it's bland and it doesn't taste very good, and I still feel hungry when I eat it. So what's a person to do? Well, food scientists have gone on to add sneaky little ways of adding sugar so that it tastes good, you will want more, but also so that your body will feel satiated. So that your body will say, okay, I've had my sugar fix for the day, or I've had my, well, it won't be a fat fix, but it'll give you that same feeling of, I think I've had enough and I can stop. The problem with that is that satiation factor does not occur as early in the eating process as it would when you're eating whole foods. Take, for example, if you were eating a high protein salad with things like kale, you might put some chicken or black beans in there. Maybe you'll put some pepitas or pumpkin seeds in there or some sunflower seeds. Um, a lot of really high protein, natural greens. You are getting a whole bunch of excellent nutrients in that salad. And let's say in equal measure, it has as much protein as a small protein bar. The problem is when you eat the salad, you're going to be full and you're going to remain full for longer periods of time. The fiber is very slow to digest and it will leave you feeling a lot less hungry after four hours than that tiny little protein bar that might have 12 grams of protein and four grams of fiber, which your, your salad can easily also have that much protein in that and even more fiber. And so what I'm trying to say is when they add the sugar back in, its ideal response is to increase that satiation value, which is to make you say, I've had enough. However, if I have a small plate of salad, I'm going to feel fuller and satiated than if I have one protein bar. But if I have two or three protein bars, I might find that equivalent of satiation value that I found in the salad. However, with eating two or three protein bars, I've taken in a whole lot more sugar and a whole lot more processed ingredients and things that might do damage on a cellular level inside of my body before my body is ready to say, okay, I'm full, I've had enough. So you are getting sugar in a lot of sneaky ways under a lot of false 
or misleading names. So it's important to know what you're getting in your body. I want to go through a couple of common foods today to show you just how much sugar is in these foods and really unsuspecting foods. So let's start with low-fat yogurt. A standard low-fat yogurt, one cup, has about 45 grams of sugar. Now, according to the ratio, four grams is one teaspoon. That's 11 teaspoons of sugar or almost four tablespoons. Okay, so it's three tablespoons plus two teaspoons. Now there's two teaspoons per tablespoon. So in your one cup of low-fat yogurt, which you might add honey to or dried fruit or granola or something to you know, give it some sustenance, you are adding on top of 11 teaspoons of sugar. Ketchup is another sneaky one. Ketchup. Heinz regular ketchup, not any of the fancy flavored ones, just a regular tomato ketchup of Heinz in one tablespoon, which is a serving size, right? Remember that nutritional information on the back? Heinz ketchup contains many, many tablespoons of ketchup, but the serving size is one tablespoon, which means all the nutritional information is related to what's in one tablespoon of ketchup. You will find one teaspoon of sugar. Now, one tablespoon is equivalent to three teaspoons. So that means in one tablespoon of sugar, you're getting one third of that tablespoon of just sugar, just sugar in your one tablespoon of ketchup. So think about how much ketchup you might put on your french fries, on your hamburger, or on anything else that you might use ketchup for. Likely you are using more than one tablespoon. And so think about that. Out of the entire tablespoon, one third of that is sugar. Spaghetti sauce is another culprit. You would think tomatoes are healthy and usually they contain things like um, herbs and spices and garlic or olive oil. If you're doing like a typical marinara spaghetti sauce, it appears to be healthy, but there's a lot of added sugar in tomato sauce. In Bertoli's traditional marinara with herbs and garlic, this is like the most basic marinara sauce I could find on the Bertoli website. One cup of sauce has one teaspoon of added sugar. Now there are four cups in one jar of Bertoli sauce. So four cups is the same as four teaspoons. So that's one tablespoon plus one teaspoon of sugar for every jar of marinara pasta sauce that you get from Bertoli. They're marinara with herb and garlic. I don't know about you, we are a large family, we're six people. So when I do spaghetti with marinara sauce, I usually do two to three jars for one pot of sauce, and I put onions and garlic and herbs and spices of my own in it to enhance the flavor. But that's terrifying. If I'm using, let's say, even two jars of sauce, I'm getting, let's see, four teaspoons per jar. That's eight teaspoons. That's almost three tablespoons of sugar just in the sauce. That's not including what's coming from the pasta, and that's not including what other sugars we're taking in throughout the day. Okay, sports drinks are very popular. I know a lot of people who drink sports drinks to help with um, hydration. Uh, if you drink too much and you have a hangover, a lot of people drink sports drinks. A lot of people don't like water because it's flavorless and they feel like they need something more. So Gatorade is a very popular brand 
uh, sports drink that I've seen a lot of people drink over the years. Their most basic Gatorade hydration drink, which is the Thirst Quencher, is one of the original drinks, and its recipe wholly has relatively not changed over the years. It's one of the few recipes that still remains the same from its original recipe. So in a 20 ounce, so that's two and a half cups, a little over two and a half cups of Gatorade, you have 36 grams of sugar. 36 grams of sugar is the equivalent of nine tables, nine teaspoons, nine teaspoons. Nine teaspoons of sugar is the equivalent of three tablespoons. So in your one 20 ounce Gatorade that you are drinking to help you rehydrate, to help you balance all of your electrolytes after a long night of partying or after being without food or drink for a long period of time, something that you're drinking in the hopes that it will nourish and replenish you and sustain you, you are taking in three tablespoons of sugar. Now again, I will remind you, this is only for the thirst quencher. This does not include some of the other recipes or formulas that Gatorade offers. I want you to be really mindful of what you're putting in your body. That's the point of this episode. So take all of this and try not to get overwhelmed and take it and use it as an armor, as a tool to help you heal your body from within and to help you to understand what you're putting inside of your body. This is not to scare you. This is to give you information so you can begin making smart choices that work for you and your lifestyle. Okay, I have a few more I want to go through. Granola, store-bought granola. I love putting granola on my yogurt or my cottage cheese. One quarter cup, which is about four tablespoons, has the equivalent of five to seven teaspoons of sugar. So four tablespoons has the equivalent of five to seven teaspoons of sugar, which is outrageous. Flavored coffee can have as much as 12 plus teaspoons of sugar in one, let's say 12 ounce of coffee, a standard size. Protein bars, which I've already mentioned in this episode, can have five teaspoons or more of sugar, which is the equivalent of a candy bar. So think to yourself, I'm starving. Let me grab a protein bar until I can get my hands on some food and then replace that with, I'm starving. Let me get my hands on a Snickers bar until I can get my hands on some food and see which sounds better because they probably have the exact same amount of sugar. Uh, breakfast cereals, a favorite in our household with four little ones. They do love their cereals. Uh, I looked up Kellogg's Corn Flakes. It's one of the oldest cereals. It was probably one of the first breakfast cereals around, and it remains largely unchanged, just like the Gatorade. Kellogg's Corn Flakes is one of the few cereals that does not have all the bells and whistles. It doesn't have all the crazy added sugars and all of the chocolate and the cocoa nibs and the granola chunks and the freeze-dried strawberries and all the different things that you can get added to your cereal. It is just straight up Corn Flakes. Let me surprise you here. Half a cup of Corn Flakes Think of what a half a cup looks like, four grams or one teaspoon of sugar, all added, none of them are natural sugars. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I definitely eat more than half a cup of cereal at a time. So think about what that means. So for every, let's say, I would say the average bowl of cereal is like a cup and a half. So that's going to be 12 
grams of sugar, which is the equivalent of one tablespoon in a cornflakes, in a cornflakes. So imagine what some of the other cereals are offering you. I don't know if I've already mentioned this or not, but I'm going to mention it again. The difference between added versus natural sugars. Natural sugar is sugar that comes from a product naturally, such as if I had Kellogg's Corn Flakes that came with um, dried blueberries in it, then it would say sugar 6 grams, added sugar 4 grams. That means 2 grams of sugar comes from the blueberries. That's naturally occurring sugar in the blueberries. 4 grams would be added sugar. That's the sugar that they added on top. Your body does not decipher the difference between added versus natural sugar. It is metabolized the same. So when you are eating your cornflakes with blueberries and you say, oh, 6 grams of sugar, that's not so bad, your body is saying, six grams of sugar, it doesn't matter that two are natural and four are added. It's still six grams of sugar. So just wanted to remind you of that. So, so sugar, it's hidden in a lot of sneaky ways and it's important to understand where to find it, what it's labeled as, how to read it on the nutritional label so you know what you're putting in your body. I'm going to keep emphasizing that because there are so many lifestyle factors that contribute to our overall health and well-being, but the one thing we can control is what we put into our mouths. And so if you have genetic predispositions for certain illnesses or diseases, you can turn on or turn off those genes with what you eat and how you live. And so I want to emphasize here that you have control in this area, and that doesn't mean overdo it and be completely restrictive find balance, eat in moderation, but be armed with information so you can make smart choices. So there's a lot of confusion around what happens to sugar inside your body. <clears throat> Again, added sugar versus natural sugar goes through the exact same process. So when I go through this, um, when I go through this telling you how sugar is metabolized, it does not matter where the sugar is coming from. So let's say you eat, you have a snack, or you drink something. The sugar will automatically enter your bloodstream. Now, in the case of eating some food, it's got to go through your stomach and get broken down, and then it enters into your small and large intestines. And at that time, when it's going from your stomach to your intestines, some processes kick off. So your pancreas will release a hormone called insulin. Very popular hormone. I think everybody has at least heard of this hormone, even if you don't know what it does. Insulin's job is to get the sugar from your blood to your cells. So think of insulin as sort of like a shepherd, <laughs> so to say, and think of sugar as the sheep. The sheep are just roaming all around your body, floating in your blood as free as can be. And the shepherd's job is to collect all the sheep from within your bloodstream and to corral them and to say, go here into these cells where you can be used to give our host human enough energy to think and be and do and live. So what ends up happening is these cells that are the most receptive to sugar or sheep in this in this analogy are muscle tissue and fat cells. When you overconsume food or when you take in too much sugar, your poor shepherd can't keep up. The insulin can't keep up with the amount of sugar that's in the blood. 
So some of the sugar remains in the bloodstream and does not get corralled and pushed into the cells in your muscle and fat tissues or organ tissues. Your cells become numb, quote unquote numb, and they stop accepting the sugar. They basically say, "Mm, nope, I've had enough. I'm done. That's it. You can't put another gram of sugar inside of me. So what happens to all of that excess sugar? It stays in your blood. This is called type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes, when you have too much sugar, when you have too much sugar, the fat cells never, ever have enough. They never turn away more sugar. The fat cells are the ones that say, oh, you can't handle it. You can't hang. No problem. I'll take all your excess sugar. So what ends up happening is that's how sugar converts to fat. And fat notoriously holds on to sugar. It is one to take and never to give. It will not release the sugar and it will not release the fat cells without a lot of help. So this is why type 2 diabetes is related to obesity as well as a rotund midsection. When you have a rotund midsection, it's usually an indication that you have some type 2 diabetes or other things going on. And those are related to all kinds of cancers and heart disease and a lot of other sicknesses and diseases that I hope and pray you don't have to ever deal with in your life. So medications and lifestyle changes and dietary changes are the way to manage and reduce the sugar in your blood and your incidence of type 2 diabetes. Even if you have a predisposition, that means even if you were born with a genetic likelihood to get type 2 diabetes, because let's say your parents and some of your siblings and your aunts and uncles and some of your cousins and many people in your family have type 2 diabetes, that does not mean you too will have type 2 diabetes. If you are armed with knowledge and information and you understand sugar. Now, when your pancreas is unable to produce enough insulin to do its job, you will need to inject insulin to allow your body to do what it's meant to do. This is type 1 diabetes. This can be a genetic condition, but this can also be triggered usually in early childhood. Your body does not decipher between added and natural sugar. So therefore, if you eat fruit with a heavy carbohydrate meal, your body's going to increase in its production of sugar, meaning the carbs will convert to sugars in your body plus the added fruit, which you are thinking you're eating to be healthy, it will still trigger a response of too much sugar, store it in the fat cells. Consider that the same as eating a candy bar with your meal, right? So if I have my spaghetti and meatballs and I follow it with a candy bar, it's the same as having a piece of fruit and then following it with spaghetti meatballs. The only difference is I'm not getting all of the fiber, which is going to fill me up and help me not to overeat and so on and so forth. You know how it goes, my friend. I've said this before. It's important to balance all of your meals, including your fruits, with raw or steamed vegetables, plant proteins such as quinoa, beans, or brown rice, and to be mindful of the many hidden sugars in your diet. One last time, I'm going to plug my last episode, which is the hidden names for sugar, right? So it's titled All About Sugar and Why It's Not All Bad For You. And I gave it this title because it's all about the hidden names for sugar, but some of those sugars are not terrible. Like 
like sugars that come from beets or vegan organic granulated sugar, right, which doesn't go through the process of bleaching and the same processing that white granulated sugar might go through. So it's not all bad for you. It can be good for you in moderation. So I will emphasize that all things in moderation. So my friends, I hope you learned a little something today. I hope it didn't overwhelm you too much. And I hope it made you feel strong and confident and armed with information, which is power so that you can take control of your health and you can heal from within from a cellular level so that you can avoid and avert any sickness and disease that is not meant to be living inside of your body. Please join me again next Thursday for another super informative and educational episode on who knows what. I don't know what it will be yet, but it will be something good. I hope you'll join me. Keep your questions coming. Keep your stories coming. I'm loving hearing from you. I'm loving getting your questions. And I will be doing another Q&A in a few more weeks. So keep them coming so that I can go ahead and do another Q&A and answer all of your burning questions and desires. Thanks for joining me, my friend, and I will catch you next Thursday for another episode of Eating for Energy and Weight Loss. To send me any inquiries, you can visit my site at sanaanimawellness.com. And again, I'm Rita Haddad, your host, your friend, and your mentor on this journey to health. I will catch you on the other side. Have a good one.